0: Hey there, welcome to The tent. I'm your host Scott Feldman and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, I think there's something inherently wonderful about doing the aquarium hobby on a more basic level, you know, taking really simple, um, practical and philosophical approaches. Now, one of these uh, approaches is that the idea um, that excessively intervening in your tank's function or direction, or even looking at every deviation from what you'd consider to be acceptable, is somehow a problem that we need to jump on and solve immediately. You know, we often worry about the danger of letting things spin out of control, and the reality is, nature is in control, even when things seem contrary to what we want. It's not always a problem just because your tank doesn't appear the way you want it to. We, as hobbyists, look for all sorts of solutions and fixes to our problems. And the reality is, in many cases, we don't have to do that much at all. Nature's got this. Nature eventually sorts it out. We need to be patient and rational and understanding, not impulsive and upset. Again, this mindset of sort of zen-like patience and confidence in nature figuring shit out is but one way of looking at and managing things, and admittingly, it's not for everyone. Control freaks and obsessive tinkerers need not apply here. Intervention, in this case, is more mental than actual. We need to change our thinking. Not everybody, you know, has this, I get it, not every process has or needs a workaround. The workaround, if you will, is to understand what you're doing, what could happen, why it happens, and what the upside or downside of rapidly correcting it can be. The key, typically, as with most things in the aquarium world, is to simply be patient. Despite our best efforts to fix stuff, nature almost always sorts it out and does it way better than we can. Think about the bane of most aquarium hobbyists' existence, so-called nuisance algae. Well, it's a nuisance to us because it looks like shit to many of us. To us. It derails our dreams of a, a pristine aquarium filled with spotless plants and rocks and coral, whatever, Despite all the knowledge that we have about algae being fundamental to life on Earth, despite all that stuff, it bothers the shit out of us because we think it looks bad. And collectively, as hobbyists, we freak the fuck out about it when it happens. We panic. We do stupid things to get rid of this stuff as quickly as possible. We address its appearance in our tanks. Seldom do we make the effort to understand why it appeared in the first place and to address the circumstances which caused it to proliferate so rapidly. And, of course, in our haste to rid our tanks of it, we often fail to take into account how it actually grows and what benefits it actually provides for aquatic ecosystems. And what potential detriments arise when we try to get rid of this stuff. Big blooms of algae are simply indicative of a life form taking advantage of an abundance of resources available to it in our tanks now algae will ultimately exhaust the available excess nutrients which caused it to appear in the first place if you take the steps to eliminate resupplying them and if you wait for it to literally run its course after these issues have been addressed it'll never fully go away you don't want it to it will however simply reach more i don't know aesthetically tolerable levels over time We've seen this in the reef aquarium world for a generation now. It happens typically in new tanks, a phase popularly called the uglies, before your tank psychology really sorts itself out. And the reality is, these big algal blooms almost always pass once we address the root cause and allow nature to play out on her own timetable. Of course, as fish geeks, we want stuff to happen fast, so... Hundreds and hundreds of products ranging from additives to water filter media and you know exotic techniques like dosing, chemicals and stuff have been developed to destroy algae. We throw lots of money and product and energy at this problem when the real key would have been to address what caused it in the first place to go so crazy and then kind of work with that. Yeah, the irony is that algae is the basis of all life. You don't ever really want to get destroy this stuff or get rid of it. To do so is folly. And it can result in the demise of your entire aquarium ecosystem. It's that simple. If a reef tank or a freshwater tank, for that matter, um, has this stuff, well, it's because it's a necessary component of the ecosystem. And hobbyists will often choose the quick fix to eradicate it instead of looking at the typical root causes of excesses, you know, low quality source water, which might require investing in reverse osmosis, DI unit or carbon block to salt perhaps excessive nutrients caused by overfeeding, overcrowding, or just plain old poor husbandry, all of which need to be addressed to be successful in the hobby anyway, or simply the influx of a large quantity of life forms like fresh live rocks, substrate, botanicals, corals, fishes, whatever, into a brand new tank with insufficient biological nutrient export mechanisms, you know, to handle it. And often a quick kill upsets the biological balance of the tank, throwing it into a further round of chaos, which takes even longer to sort itself out. And it will sort itself out. It could take a very long time. It could result in a very unattractive tank for a while. It could even kill some fishes or plants. I mean, nature mounts a comeback at nuclear freaking test sites and oil spill zones. You don't think that she can bring back your tank from an overdose of freaking, you know, algicide? She can, and she will in due time. You let her. So, once these things are understood and the root causes addressed, the best and most successful way to resolve the algae issue long term is often to simply be patient and wait it out. Wait for nature to adjust on her terms, on her time frame. She seeks a balance. Waiting it out is one of the single best approaches that you can take for your aquariums. So, it's really about making the effort to understand stuff, to buy into a process nature's process to have reasonable expectations of how things work based on the way nature handles stuff not on our desire to have a quick you know insta-famous aquascape filled with natural looking broken in botanicals two weeks after the tanks first set up or, or whatever it's about realizing that the key ingredients in a successful hobby experience are not lots of money and flashy expensive gear new botanicals all the charming things you see in a TikTok video or a you know Instagram post or whatever. their education, their understanding and technique coupled with a healthy dose of patience and observation. Doing things differently requires a different mental approach. We work with nature by attempting to understand her, by accommodating her needs, not forcing her to conform with ours, which she won't do in a manner that we'd want anyway. Nature will typically sort stuff out if we make the effort to understand the processes behind her work and if we allow her to do it on her time frame, not ours. i say this again and again. Intervention is sometimes required on our part to address urgent matters like diseases, poisoning, or whatever in closed systems. However, for many aquarium issues, simply educating ourselves well in advance, having the proper expectations about you know, what will happen, and above all, being patient while nature works the issues is the real cure here. So yeah, in our world, it's never a bad idea to let nature sort it out. She's done a pretty good job for billions of years. There's no sense in bailing out on her now, right? As we've all started to figure out by now, our botanical-influenced aquariums are a lot more than a, 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 a little slice of nature that you're recreating in your home than they are a, just a pet-holding container, right? The Botanical Method Aquarium is a microcosm which depends on botanical materials to impact the environment. And this microcosm consists of a myriad of life life forms at all levels and sizes, ranging from our fishes to small crustaceans to worms to even our friends, you know, the algae. These little guys, the bacteria and the paramecium and all those organisms comprise what is known as the microbiome of our aquarium. The microbiome. I've said that before, haven't I? I've talked about that a lot over the years. A microbiome, by definition, is defined as a community of microorganisms like bacteria, fungi, and viruses that inhabit a particular environment. Now, sure, every aquarium has a microbiome to a certain extent. We have the beneficial bacteria, which facilitate the nitrogen cycle and play an indispensable role in the function of our little worlds. The botanical method aquarium is no different. In fact, This is where I start wondering. It's the place where my high school and college elective course biology falls away and you get into more complex aspects of aquatic ecology in our aquariums. Yet it's important to at least understand this concept as it can relate to our aquariums. It's worth doing a bit of research and pondering. It'll educate you, challenge you, make you a better overall aquarist. In this little podcast, I can't possibly cover every aspect of this stuff, but we can touch on a few broad points that are really fascinating and potentially impactful for you so much of this process and our understanding starts with botanicals with botanicals breaking down in the aquarium as a result of the growth of fungi and microorganisms i can't help but wonder if they perform to some extent a role in the management or enhancement of the nitrogen cycle yeah you understand that nitrogen cycle right how do botanicals impact this process or more specifically the microorganisms that they serve in other words Does having a bunch of leaves and other botanical materials in the aquarium foster a larger population of these valuable organisms, capable of processing organics, thus creating a more stable, robust biological filtration capacity in the aquarium? I believe that they do. With a matrix of natural materials present, do the bacteria and their biofilms, as we have discussed a million times here, do they have not only a substrate and surface upon which to attach and colonize, but an onboard food source, which they can utilize as needed, yeah i think so facultative bacteria adaptable organisms which can use either dissolved oxygen or oxygen obtained from food materials such as sulfate or nitrate ions would also be capable of switching to fermentation also known as anaerobic respiration if oxygen is absent hmm, fermentation well that's likely another topic for another time probably worth looking at and discussing but let's focus on some of the other more practical aspects of this whole biome thing like food production for our fishes. I've talked about this a lot, haven't I? In the case of our fave aquatic habitats like streams, ponds, and inundated forests, epiphytic materials like biofilms and fungal mats are abundant, and many fishes will spend large amounts of time foraging the bio cover on tree trunks, branches, leaves, and other botanical materials when they're in the water. The bio cover consists of stuff like algae, biofilms, and fungi, and it provides sustenance for a large number of fishes of all types. And of course, what happens in nature... Also happens in the aquarium if we allow it to, right? And can it it can function much the same way as it does in nature? Yeah, I think it can. I think that this means that we need to continue to foster the biological diversity of animals in our aquariums, embracing life at all levels, from the bacteria to the algae to the fungi to crustaceans to worm to worms and of course our fishes. They form the basis of the closed aquatic ecosystem and perhaps a food web of sorts for our little aquatic microcosms. And really, when you think about it, our aquatic our aquariums are aquatic microcosms um, in and of themselves and they are part of nature. They're not natural in that they didn't evolve on their own but on their own but we put the materials in play to allow these organisms to evolve. So they are part of nature. It's a very interesting concept, a fascinating field for research for aquarists and we all have the opportunity to participate in this on a most intimate level by simply observing what's happening in our aquariums every single day. And facilitating this process is remarkably easy. I could literally summarize it in a few points. You know, Number one, approach building an aquarium as if you're creating a biome. Number two, foster the growth and development of a community of organisms at all levels in your aquarium. Number three, allow these organisms to grow and multiply. Number four, m- perhaps most important, don't edit the growth of biofilms, fungal growth, algae, and deep and detritus. I said algae. I don't know why I said that because that's a very British uh, way of saying it for my British friends. But anyway, make mental shifts. These mental shifts require us to embrace these steps and the occurrences which happen as a result. Understanding that the botanicals and leaves which we add to our aquariums are not aquascaping set pieces, but rather they're biological facilitators for the closed ecosystems that we create is fundamental. These materials are being utilized and assimilated by the organisms which comprise the biome of our aquarium. Therefore, they are transient, ephemeral, actually not permanent. By accepting and embracing these changes and little evolutions, we're helping to create really great functional representatives or representations, I should say, of the compelling wild systems that we love so much. Leaf litter beds in particular tend to evolve the most as Leaves are among the most ephemeral or transient of botanical materials that we use in our aquariums. And this is true in nature as well as, mater- you know, because materials break down or they're moved around by currents. The structural dynamics of the features therefore change. New materials arrive constantly on the scene. So we have to adapt a new mindset when I use the word aquascaping. When aquascaping with leaves, that being that the scape will evolve on its own and change constantly. Other than our most basic hardscape aspects, rocks and driftwood, the leaves and the botanicals and stuff probably won't remain exactly where we placed them or in the form that we originally placed them in as they're acted on by natural processes and bacterial action and so forth. To the artistic perfectionist type of aquarist, this will be maddening. <laughs> to the aquarist who makes the mental shift and accepts this, you know, kind of wabi-sabi idea, yeah, I'm sort of channeling a mono here, the experience will be fascinating and really enjoyable. <clears throat> You'll have an ever-changing Aquarium that will be far more natural than anything we could ever hope to conceive completely by ourselves. That's what's the fun of it is. Change, evolution, ecological diversity, accepting how various organisms look and function in our tanks, letting nature take the lead in your aquarium is vital. It's not something to freak out about. It's not something that we should worry about. Rather, it's something to celebrate. Life in all of its diversity and beauty still needs a stage upon which it can perform. And you're helping provide it, even with this remodeling of your aquascape taking place more or less daily. Stuff gets moved. Stuff gets covered in biofilm and fungal growth. Stuff breaks down in our aquariums and, of course, in nature. With botanicals breaking down in the aquarium as a result of the growth of fungi and microorganisms, again, I can't help but ponder if they perform to some extent a role in the management or enhancement of the nitrogen cycle. Yeah, you understand the nitrogen cycle, right? Okay, I know that you do. If you really understand how it works, You won't try to beat it or circumvent it. You won't want to. Aquarium hobbyists have, by and large, collectively spent the better part of the century trying to create workarounds or hacks to work on ways to circumvent what we perceive as unattractive, uninteresting, or detrimental. And I have a theory that many of these things, these processes that we try to edit or polish or skip altogether, are often the most important and foundational aspects of aquarium keeping, botanical method or otherwise especially botanical method. We're kind of contrary in that respect because we embrace this theory. It's why we literally pounded into your head over and over here every day on these podcasts and our blogs that you not only shouldn't try to circumvent these natural processes and occurrences, you should embrace them and attempt to understand exactly what they mean for the fishes that we keep. They're a key part of the functionality. Now, I've had this sort of approach to creating and managing botanical method aquariums down, you know, drawn from, I don't know, a lifetime of playing in this hobby. Uh, Just stuff I've done over and over again over the years. And I've drawn it from multiple disciplines like reef keeping, breeding killifishes, and other more conventional parts of the hobby. And my approach has always been a bit of an extension of the stuff I've learned in those areas. I've always been fanatical about not taking shortcuts in the hobby. In fact, I've probably avoided shortcuts to the point of making things more difficult for myself at times. Over the years, I thought a lot about how we as botanical method aquarium enthusiasts gradually build up our systems and how the entire approach is simply about creating a biome, a closed ecosystem, which requires us to support the organisms which comprise it at every level. Just like what nature does. Think about that for a little bit. Stay observant. Stay curious. Stay diligent. Stay bold. Stay patient. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.